0: We've got a we've got a treat with us today. It's a little different than what was advertised, but that's OK. That's how we like to fly around here. Um, I'm just going to go, go ahead and get started. Um, you know, we got to we got to we've got to all remember that uh, it's it's very busy time for the farmers. Now we got to think of safety. So be please be cognizant of the uh, the farmers when they're out on the roads, and I know sometimes you wonder why is that guy doing that, but it's hard for it for them to see everything. So uh, just be patient, and we got to always remember safety first. So today's going to be kind of a, a a hodgepodge. It was advertised as a and uh, A with me, but we we are are helping uh a little bit we're helping farm aid just a little bit and it's in Indiana this year so here we are and we have uh Jennifer fahey with us today Jennifer how you doing
1: very well rick thank you Good. how are
0: you i'm doing great thanks so we're just going to go right into Jennifer first and then you know i think she's got an, another obligation so we'll see how long this goes but please folks this is farm aid the, this is the, this is what, uh, uh, this, the way I think of farm aid is back in the eighties. It was there for a, a reason to help farmers get through the tough times that they were going through. And it has just carried on. Now, I, I am not going to give it near the justice that Jennifer's going to give it. So, so Jennifer, first of all, tell us who you are and what, what part of the organization you fit into.
1: Thanks, Rick. Um, I am Jennifer Fahey. I'm FarmAid's communications director and I've been with the organization since 2002. So almost just missed the last show in Indiana in 2001. Um, I started at FarmAid in an operational role. I wanted to break into nonprofit work and I was um, the operations person for a while doing accounting and kind of found myself gravitating towards learning about agriculture and and communicating about it and um, Became the communications director in 2008 and um, can't believe it's been 21 years <laughs> that I've been with one organization, um, I mean, but I, I'm incredibly lucky and gosh, um, I should have said I'm backstage at Farm Aid um, where we are setting up for the, the annual festival and the air conditioning just went on in my trailer. I don't know how loud it is.
0: I can't hear it. Okay. I
1: okay. But yes, um, have been incredibly lucky to have this long career at Farm Aid. I learn something new every day. Um, I work with farmers, I work with policymakers, um, uh, journalists, uh, artists, people who um, want to lend their support to agriculture and learn more. Um, so I have this incredibly um, wonderful job that I love that is constantly changing and introducing me to people like you, Rick, and. Um, I see Dave Fisher in the crowd here, too. And I was out to his farm to meet his son, Joseph, just uh, a month and a half ago. Um, And um, yeah, so that's that's me. Um, Do you want me to launch into Farm Aid a little bit?
0: Yeah, I I I I broke my rules here. I'm supposed to ask you a question. Oh, right. I totally I totally dropped the ball here. (laughs) So time out. Uh, Jennifer, I'm going to ask you the same question I've asked every, every person that's ever been on the show. What is on your mind right now? I, I'm sure we can all guess, but go ahead tell us what's on your mind.
1: Yeah, I, uh, obviously Farm Aid's on my mind. Um, it is a passion. Uh, I feel so lucky to do this work. Um, I am sitting here in this terrible trailer backstage, um, and I'll be here all night. Putting together the words um, and putting together pitches for the media, and um, hoping it all works, so that people who are coming here—twenty-two thousand people coming here on Saturday—understand why we're here. Um, beyond the music, beyond coming together and eating good food, but supporting farmers, supporting people like you all who are um, doing climate resilient agriculture, um, and my, as a communications person, my goal is thinking about, and I know you all think about this too, how do we explain it in a way that's gonna get that people understand and that's gonna get them excited and that's gonna get them on board. Yeah. Um, so that that's where my brain is at. It's also juggling silly things like parking passes and making sure that I get back to this artist and that tour manager and this photographer and all these crazy things, But um, but ultimately, um, how do we communicate what you all are doing? And, um, and especially on Saturday, make farmers feel like rock stars, which you all yeah.
0: are. Yeah. So parking passes, huh? Hmm. I haven't heard about parking. Passes. <laughs> 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 oh, just kidding. Just kidding. Okay. Well, that's great. So, so Jennifer take, take us, you know, we don't know anything here. Okay. Take us back. Uh you're going to, I'm going to make a guess on when the first farm aid was, but I'm not going to say it. when was the first farm aid?
1: 1985 in uh-huh. Champaign, Illinois. So not uh, far from here. Yeah. And um, it was Willie Nelson, John Mellencamp and Neil Young who um, became aware, who were aware of the problem. Um, they had farmer friends. Of course, you know, John Mellencamp wrote the Scarecrow album um, mm-hmm. around the issues um, happening at the time of the farm crisis of the 1980s. Um, they did not think they were building an organization. Certainly they didn't think they'd be doing concerts for 38 years. Um, they, they openly say, we thought we'd do the one and Congress would wake up and Washington would, would pay attention and they would find solutions and we'd, we could say, okay, we did that. Um, yeah. But the challenges have on the one hand remained the same or similar. And on the other, there have been new challenges that have come, come down the road. And, um, you know, I think year after year, Willie has said, it's still necessary that we do this. Um, and and I think what he thinks is so necessary is, is taking a day to honor farmers, um, to do it, move it around the country. So we're in different regions, we're talking about different kinds of agriculture, we're talking about different challenges at different parts of the country are up against different opportunities too we don't just talk about challenges we, you know there's yeah. also the opportunities and how do we bring new people into this field how do we get people excited about agriculture how do we get people to care about the food that they're eating um yeah. so here we are 38 years later but it was it's, it's exactly right we started in 85 during the height of the farm crisis and um It was was music and how do we bring focus? And then it was, okay, we've raised the money. How do we get that money out to the countryside? It ended up supporting a lot of organizations that are around to this day. Um, Farmers Legal Action Group up in Minnesota, National Family Farm Coalition, rural um, Nebraska, rural response, um, hotline, all kinds of resources that exist all over the country for farmers, you know, both when times are hard and also you know, proactively, how do, you know, how organizations that help farmers figure out how do I break into new markets? How do I learn more about regenerative agriculture? How do I, you know, sell my um, product into institutions? Um, all those good things.
0: That's, that's awesome. So all this is farmaid.org, is that correct? O- O-R-G. So Rachel, right. type that in please, farmaid.org. So all this that you just rattled off can be found on this webpage, And you can you can dive in. This is awesome. So so let's say somebody wanted to uh, learn about regenerative farming. So then do you have, uh, you know, quote unquote experts to help answer those questions?
1: Yeah, we have a hotline. Um, So our hotline, again, came about not intentionally. Um, There was a, a a 900 number set up in 1985 to collect donations. And what happened at that time was farmers called it because this was the first sort of large scale notice that farmers who were um, on the brink of foreclosure were not alone, that they, that actually, this was an orchestrated attempt to drive farmers out of business, right? And so, um, farmers reached out and they called. And, um, so quickly that number was turned into a 1-800 number. So it wouldn't cost farmers to call. And, um, we now have a hotline team of six people that answer the phone. Um, and what we try to do, because we're a national organization, um, our hotline staff are trained in how to respond to crisis. They all come from, um, backgrounds that, um, Some of them are farmers themselves. Some of them come out of a counseling background. Um, Some of them are retired extension agents. Um, They have all kinds of different backgrounds, but they all know how to speak agriculture, right? Which we know is so important. Um, And they, what we try to do is connect farmers to resources in their own communities. Um, Part of our goal is not just to help the individual farmers calling, but also um, to build power. For farmers, so if you're calling in with questions and you don't yet have, you know, local connections, local resources, a network of peers that you can rely on, ask questions to get on a webinar and and talk for an hour and a half on, every week, um, then we connect farmers because we think that is one of the biggest tools we know. Farmers learn from farmers. Yeah. Um, and so, um, so exactly right. People people call our hotline. We connect them to a local organization, hopefully in their state. Um, We connect them to USDA resources if they're looking for funding, you know, we can let them know about um, different programs and um, and grants that might be available. Um, So it's a whole range of uh, resources that we're connecting to. And and sometimes, particularly for farmers who are calling in times of challenge, um, just having that person on the other end of the line. And we know there's a lot of attention paid to farmer stress in the past six years or so um and so that's that's also a big focus of our work too to make sure farmers know someone is out there someone understands and is, is hearing them and and can be a support for them
0: oh that's awesome so i mean i'm not going to hold you to an exact number but i mean how many how many calls a week or a month or um, how frequent is this
1: it's it's definitely frequent um we used to have one hotline operator and they were overwhelmed it was not um now you've got six now we have six. We have been um, lucky to be um, part of a network that is um, supported by the Farm and Ranch Stress Assistance Network through the um, the last Farm Bill. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're hoping to see that program reauthorized in this Farm Bill. Um, that has helped us expand. It has helped us make our resources available to non-English speakers or specifically currently to Spanish speakers um, yeah. and make that more accessible. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it depends on the year. Um, we do, it definitely ebbs and flows based on what's going on. You know, when the when the loan payments are coming due oh, in January, yeah. we get more calls. Um, when it's harvest oh. time, we get more calls. When Farm Aid is having a festival and we've got this national attention, we get more calls. Um, but we're averaging between 1, a 1,500 farmers calling every year.
0: Wow, that's awesome. Well, maybe after after this is all over, we need to talk about how maybe we can figure out a way to get, um, you know, someone like me or our company to help answer questions, or if someone wants to move further down the road or something. So we can talk about that. That'd but be great. This is exactly what we love to do here. We love to teach and train, and um, and and that's that's what that's that's to me that's the next push here in the regenerative movement, it's training, teaching the teachers, training, mentoring, whatever you want to call it. We're going to need this next level of teachers ready to, to, to hit the ground running because there's going to be a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so let's go back. Okay. So I would have missed it by one. I would have said 84. So I would have missed it by one because I remember the concert being in Champaign. Um, let's uh so you know i understand why it got started so then that's that you've already explained that why why did it keep going then i mean you briefly touched on it but 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 is it the is it was it the you know everybody said this is a great thing we got to keep because obviously we came out of the 80s and we got pretty the farmers got pretty prosperous for a while so why did it keep going
1: Um, Because challenges changed, I think. Um, You know, right after 1985, um, the first concert raised $9 million. um, Holy cow. Yeah, yeah. Um, And the push was, how do we get this money out to the countryside? So at that time, there were some grassroots organizations, there was Prairie Fire, Um, there were a lot of religious um, organizations that were doing rural counseling um some dollars went out to support those programs to get those new organizations off the ground um farmers legal action group was one of those that got um seed funding from farm aid and has become a a 40-year organization doing legal work with farmers um
0: isn't that cool That's, that's cool
1: And, um, and Dave, or sorry, Dave, um, not Dave, Dave Matthews came on in 2001. But um, in 85, after the concert, Willie and John Mellencamp went to Washington, they testified before a Senate hearing, Senate Ag Committee hearing. Um, You know, and and you, you Hoosiers will appreciate this, you know, I think at one point, John was in front of the microphone, and one of the Congress people said, all right, well, why don't you just sing a song already? (laughs) And John, of course, probably had some obscenities um to utter and then said that's not why we're here um, and what they were there for was to call attention to the crisis and and for action and um farm aid was and and the partners that we worked with at that time um, and continue to work with But they were successful in passing the 1987 Farm Credit Act, um, which put a moratorium on farm foreclosures and allowed for restructuring, allowed for hundreds of thousands of farmers to be able to stay on their land and not get kicked off the farm to lose their home. Um, So that effort kept Willie involved. So there was a concert in 86, there was a concert in 87. Um, And um, then we moved into the 90s and with the rise of... um, you know, KFOs, confined animal factory farms. Um our partners in Missouri were calling our our hog farmers saying, you know, we can't get any money, pennies for our pork. And meanwhile, we've got these factory farms moving in. They're you know, destroying our markets, they're destroying our water, they're destroying our property values. So I think a farm aid in um a, a succession of um Sort of movement. So there was the initial one that was a reaction to the yep. farm crisis, and when that was stabilized, um, of course we know it's still really hard to make ends meet on farms, and and we don't have the support we need still. But you know we did move out of that crisis to a point of stabilization, and then we saw that rise of, you know, corporate-owned animal um, facilities, and um, and that was sort of the next phase of farming is the organizing, uh, helping rural communities organize against factory farms. And then when I came on board in, in 2002, everyone was saying, oh, okay, but there's this new excitement about local food um, and that people are beginning to care about where their food comes from, but it's just a fad. Um, yeah. but, you know, 21 years into my career in farming, I could say that that's not true. It's not a fad. It's not going away. It's only grown yeah. in, in the years. And so I think we've moved into this really positive moment of thinking about agriculture as a solution to you know, corporate power to um, you know this this model of production, production, production over everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, to um, you know, industrialization and and kicking families off the land, um, moving into a more positive thing of like, okay, well, how do we talk about getting new farmers on the land? How do we talk about opening up markets, creating thriving local um, food systems that are taking care of our communities are regenerating rural communities. Um, and I, I think that is just going to keep going, you know, especially with regenerative agriculture now and talking about climate change. And we're really excited to talk about farmers as a solution for climate change. Um, we're not, we're not going to mitigate climate change without farmers at the table.
0: Right. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Um, and, you know, the more the more money the farmer can make then it, it helps the local communities, the money stays there. It gets turned in. You know, then you go to the local store and then every, everybody just thrives, you know. Um, and, you know, I'm going to tell you right now, in my opinion, I mean, this is um, this is pretty hard times that farmers in right now because input costs they're are coming down. But input costs last year were record high. Yeah, and a lot of the farms had to buy inputs at these sky high prices, and now the futures markets the, for the price of the their commodity is going down and going down pretty hard. Um, so things all of a sudden are going to get probably pretty tight again. I don't know if you if you feel that if yeah. you sense that, yeah, yeah, you do.
1: Yeah, and for particular industries, it's it's always been tight. Um, you know, dairy, dairy has been. Oh, oh yeah. There it's so hard to find solutions on dairy. Um, and so, you know, I spent um, uh, my lunch yesterday with an Indiana farmer who um, who had a herd. She had a 50 cow herd and um, sold it off a number of years ago and had reached out to the Farm Aid hotline. And um, we've stayed in touch with her over the years and um, had this funny a uh, moment in Nashville. Oddly, we went to um, a celebration for Willie's birthday in Nashville, and um, the MC on stage happened to know this farmer, and he knew that she was coming simply to be able to yell from her seat in the nosebleeds, bleeds, as she put it, just to yell "Thank you, Willie Nelson." And, um, and he called her out and uh, we were able to find her seat location and go up and meet her and um
0: oh, how cool you know
1: she's figuring out she's managed to keep the farm that you know the herd's gone she's managed to keep the farm and they're figuring out what can we do now she's starting to grow mushrooms um wow. so um I don't know I mean those are the stories that are just oh yeah um, the ones we want to highlight and the people mm-hmm. who are so um challenge like dairy you know it seems like there's no answer there and yet you have people who um who were heartbroken at selling off the herd and and still want to remain on that land steward that land and figure out how do i how do i continue to do that what's the next step for me um so yeah
0: but it's a great organization it's a great organization i didn't realize how many any many you know directions you guys were moving here this is This is great stuff. So um, I get it, though. Uh, You're right. You know, you come out of the 80s and and the farmers were probably starting to pick themselves up. But then here comes another, you know, another crisis or where somebody's getting blindsided by something coming in from over here. I get it. Uh, There's always a need for for help. And that's what you guys are here to do is help. So uh, this, this is awesome.
1: And it's really, uh, you know, we are blessed by having Willie Nelson and Neil Young, John Mellencamp, Dave Matthews, Margot Price now, um, these incredible artists that have remained committed. Um, But it's it's truly the grassroots organizations in the states all over the country. Like, you know, you just popped into my head when you were saying, you know, they're always challenged. What's going on right now with carbon pipelines? Um, You know, with wind and solar installations and the the pressure, we have a lot of partners in the Western states um, that have been working on issues like around uranium mining and, you know, it's always, you know, that balance of that, um, the value of our land, you know, and whether it's all about just extracting that value and who cares about the land and um and what farmers are doing which is no we we need the land we need to sustain it so it can sustain us and we need to be really thinking about what it is we're pulling out of the ground what we're putting in it and um you know that comes from grassroots it comes from rural people who are right there doing that work on the ground you know i think a lot of um a lot of attention gets paid to this idea that there's like environmentalists out there um, trying to harm people um, by shutting things down and calling for regulation. But, you know, so many times what what we're experiencing on the Farm Aid hotline is it's people, farmers, rural um, residents who are calling in to say, you know, our community is being exploited. And and what can we do? How do we organize? Um, how do we organize for safe clean water, how do we organize for good food? How do we make sure that um, our community has control over the kind of agriculture and the kind of industry that we have here and that we can make sure we're taking care of our air and soil and water.
0: Yeah, that's that's amazing. It's, uh, you're, you're parallel to many, many uh, organizations that, that we're in contact with, very similar, mm. similar principles, similar vision, so it's very refreshing. Um, so I got to ask you, how do you decide where the concert's going to be? I mean, is there a pattern to where, how, when was the last time it was in Indiana back in 01? 2001.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. So yeah. is a pattern or somebody just get this, Willie just get his dart out and throw it at the, at an Atlas? And say, okay. We're going to be in, in, in Birmingham next year or whatever.
1: <laughs> well, there's a bit of a science and a bit of a randomness okay. to it. Um, we have always played outdoors. We don't want to play indoors. We want to be outside where farmers work. Um, we started in the Midwest. Um, we have gone to places like New York city. Um, Mm -hmm. and we did New York city in 2002 and everyone said, this is crazy. Why are you in New York city? And Willie ever, the communications genius, he said, there's more people here than any other city. And they all eat. (laughs) Um, And, you know, that was the early 2000s when people were starting to pay more attention where their food comes from, the rise of farmers markets and urban agriculture, and that went hand in hand. Um, But, yeah, it depends on, you know, where the board, we call them our board artists, Willie and John, Neil, Dave and Margo, where they're touring, you know, where we can fit into their schedule. Yeah, yeah. Um, Willie always says we go where we wanted. So we have been recruited by particular um, places. The venue has to work for us. It has to be outdoors. We have to make sure that we're going to have a concert that's going to result in us earning money to continue to do the work that we do and to fund the organizations we fund. Um, and we move it around so we can highlight yeah. in different areas. But um, yeah, it was a long time since we were last in Indiana. And um, and it's it's really great to come back.
0: Yeah, it, it is. It's nice to have you folks back. Um, and I mean, you're sold out, right?
1: We are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah
0: that's awesome. So so mm-hmm. now tell us about the how how you can, you know, sold out. So we can't go do that. So how else can we see this?
1: Um, the whole event will be live streamed at farmaid.org. Um, We kick off the day at 11 a.m., but there'll be a slight delay. So at 1130, you can tune into our website and watch the first part of the day, which is a press event. Um, and, um, we, I spent a week with a film crew in August going out to meet with Indiana farmers and filming Mm -hmm. them on their farms. Um, so we'll be highlighting some of those farms on the press stage. We'll have those farmers with us. Um, Joseph Fisher will be up on stage with Willie Nelson and Neil Young. And, um, we just have a conversation about what's going on and, and, um, you know, what farmers need it's, it's shining a spotlight on what you all are doing and also saying, how can we be of service? Um, How can we support what you're doing? What do you need right now? Um, So that will start the day. And then we have uh, 11 hours of music. (laughs) So that's on the main stage, but we also um, source all of the food. So everything that will be served here in the front of house and in the back of house comes from um, family farmers. Uh, we call it homegrown concessions, and um, there are criteria. So it comes from a family farm. It was raised with some kind of ecological standard, and the farmer was paid a fair price. Those are our three guarantees for the everything that you'll eat here um, at Farm Aid. And additionally, we have a homegrown village. So between the hours of noon and five, we have, it's like a mini county fair right here at Ruoff Music Center. And... Um, you can meet farmers. We have a stage where farmers will be talking with the artists to talk about climate and soil and water and young farmers and racial equity in our food system. Um, you can learn skills. We've got our homegrown skills tent um, where people can learn about composting and do seed saving and do all kinds of great skills that they can take home with them, sort of like you know a little bit of homesteading skills. Um, And then we have organizations from across the country and across the state who are here with hands-on exhibits. So our idea is you don't go there and just get handed a piece of paper or told to sign a petition. Um, Everyone in our homegrown village has to have some kind of engaging activity that people can dig into. Because we believe that when you experience the culture of agriculture, you take that back with you. Mm -hmm. Um, So our goal is to really get those 22,000 people who are coming through our gates on Saturday um, to go home, having shaken a hand with a farmer, you know, thanked them for growing the food that they ate, um, learned a skill, or taking home seeds—you name it. Um, okay. Have petted a sheep. We'll have a we'll have a grazing demonstration with sheep here. Um, so that is the day. It's a it's, it's a it's fun awesome. day.
0: Yeah, I mean this. So I mean this is just. It's been a long time since I've been in Ruhov. Actually, the last time I was there. I think, uh, Carol, my wife and I saw John Mellencamp perform. That's probably the last time I've been there. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, all this is going on around off to the side of the stage or is it, it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I need help visualizing the layout.
1: Yeah. So there's the main stage, there's the seats, there's the lawn, and then around it, you have a plaza. Okay. So the plaza will be filled with, um, concession stands. Um, and s- some of them are the concession stands that are normally here um, for a show, you know, that have sure. kept the phone and called Cisco and gotten a truckload of food from wherever it comes. Um, not on our day. <laughs> uh, I had a uh, I was photographing a farm today who came to drop off the, the mums and the hay bales and the um, corn stalks for our decor um, all week long. The food has been delivered um, to our uh, catering and um concessions operation here. So um so we change it up. It, it looks very different. Um yes. when farm aid comes into a venue and we've been really successful in helping to shift the concert industry um many of the buildings where we've played and and introduced them to this concept of homegrown concessions have continued it after oh, we have wow. gone. So they've continued to have that relationship with the local farmer um that they get the tomatoes from or you know the local um pork producer. We've brought composting to, we, we generally partner with Live Nation to do um, our concert and we, you know, they've done recycling forever. We introduced the idea of composting. Why are we not composting? Why, sorry, this is my dinner right here, but why do we not have compostable forks and knives, you know, that we can grow in compost and make soil because why are we going to generate all this, tonnage of waste and throw it in the landfill um, for an event that is celebrating farmers and, and the ability we have to steward our resources responsibly, um, no, we're going to do it with the, the right materials and and make sure it gets in the right bin. And we're going to make sure. So,
0: so whose vi- who's, who's vision is this?
1: Um, well, Glenda Yoder who I know, you know, from green America and and some other networks. Um, She heads up our homegrown concessions um, and, and the composting and um, yeah, she's been a visionary. And
0: that's that's awesome.
1: Yeah, it is. And it's helping to shift, you know, we're starting to trial um, homegrown concessions in, in various venues across the country um, really breaking down um, that idea of you know, well, we just want to be able to make one phone call and get everything mass produced on one truck, you know, like, no, let's give these people an experience. Let's introduce them to good food. Why should we expect to have a subpar hot dog when we go out and, and want to enjoy a good show, you know? So, um, yeah, so that's our goal. We're trying to shift the ways we do things.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, the family can come, they can learn about farming, they can learn about everything. Plus they're going to get to uh, eat the good food that the local farmers, I mean, this is just amazing. And I love the way you move it around the country. So you let everyone participate that, that has the ability to participate. It's just, it's tremendous.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's very special. Um, yeah. And it's, I mean, ugh, not to get mushy, but um <laughs> there, there are moments that I, um, I feel so lucky in my job to go out and visit the farmers and get to know people. Um, and then to see them on show day, you know, some of them have said, I feel like I'm the rock star, you know, like, the, I can't believe the generosity, you know, they'll be in a crowd and people will just be saying, Hey, you're a farmer. Hey, can I meet you? You know, like, let me ask you a question and um, you, you all don't get enough of that
0: no no and and i've always said you know if you know if you got a product and you want to market some product and put a farmer's picture on the on the on the package and then let that consumer they're like they they like become friends even though they don't know each other but they mm-hmm. become like friends well i'm gonna i'm gonna buy farmer farmer bob's you know whatever and that you're doing the same thing except in person so mm-hmm. I, I it's just this is the way it's supposed to be done. So kudos to you and your organization. Uh, this is very refreshing, and and I just love the fact that that you've got these. You've changed the venue sites now for for like when when uh, uh, Morgan Wallen comes to town, you know, or who, whoever. I, I don't know why he popped into my head, but. Uh, <laughs> But that's good because then those folks can enjoy the good food that, that the farm at, that you you're trailblazing that. That's great.
1: Yeah. And and a lot of, you know, Dave Matthews has been a trail, trailblazer in that way. He um, lo- for a long time on his tour has gone into town and sourced from local farmers for his really? catering, for his backstage catering. Wow. Um, so which is very impactful and really important. But our thing is, why is it only for backstage? You know, like, let's bring that front of house. Why does farm to table have to be this fancy thing? Why can't we get it at, why can't we get it, you know, at, um, at the theater when we go see a movie, you know, let's, let's challenge the assumptions, um, about what we can do here. And, um, Make sure that everything, at least that Farm Aid is doing, is benefiting the community where we're holding our event and the farmers that we're that we're showcasing and um, and getting to know by moving it around the country the way we do.
0: Right. Well, folks out out there tonight, if you've got a question, now's now's the time. And raise your hand. Rachel's going to unmute you, and you can ask. I mean, Jennifer's got Farm Aid like the back of her hand here, so. Um, we're learning I'm learning so much more than than I thought farm was about and shame on me for not not knowing more about this but um Jennifer this is this is incredible so let me okay so do you have I mean obviously there's people that want to come and see the show do you also have artists that say hey can I get on that venue can I oh yeah yeah Yeah. I, I gotta think it's like a feeding frenzy almost
1: Yeah, it is. Um, So and that just reminded me a point I wanted to make earlier when you were talking um, about how we bring people in and can help them understand more. Um, Some people come just for the music. um, And it's a little bit sneaky, right, that we have this opportunity. We say, great, come on in. Come see a great show. And then they have that moment. They have that hot dog that came from a local Indiana farm. They have that moment with a farmer. They learn some fact. And they go home, and they've been transformed in some way, right? So, so we have that. We also have the farmers. I mean, the artists. Um, you know, Willie Nelson, John Mellencamp, Neil Young. They they started this because they cared about farmers and they were concerned about what was happening. Um, they they say, you know, we just picked up the phone. We called. The first concert had seventy eight artists on the bill. It was insane. Whoa. Yeah. Um, and so they called everyone they knew. And um, a lot of those people have been loyal. They've come back year after year. Bonnie Raitt is one of those. Um,
0: with well, Tom Petty, right?
1: Tom Petty. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. one of My favorites. I, yeah. Um, Margot Price. Um, she is uh, more of an up and coming artist. She, um, she broke onto the music scene with an album called Midwestern farmer's daughter. And she, mm-hmm. um, the the title track was about her grandparents losing their farm in the farm crisis nineteen eighty four, and so she she you know came year after year and we invited her to her to join the board because this is so close to her heart. Um, Chris Stapleton is one of those. Um, Sturgill Simpson, um, Jamie Johnson. Um, uh,
0: Stapleton was last year, right? He he, that guy's yeah. awesome.
1: He is, he is, you know, Kentucky, rural community, knows farmers. He just, it's like.
0: Salt of the earth people. I mean, just. Yeah. Wholesome people. Yeah.
1: And they come, you know, I should mention the artists all come on their own dime. We don't pay them a fee for their performance. We don't pay their expenses. Um, They come because many of them, you know, are friends with Willie and who doesn't, no one ever wants to say no to Willie. Um, I know. But. Many, many, many of them also come because this is really important to them, um, yeah. and they want to support farmers. So,
0: yeah, that's great. Uh, Dave Fisher responded, driving a tractor tonight. But thanks for having Fisher Farms involved. Yeah, uh, Jennifer, you can answer that. But yeah, Dave, I'm sure that you're. It's a proud moment, and uh, and you've got good, good, good products there are to supply. So.
1: Yeah, I had a great time with uh, Joseph down in Fisher Farms. Um, we toured the, the uh, meatpacking facility. We went over to the farm. We um, made poor Joseph do the call to the cattle about ten times on camera. <laughs>
0: He's yeah. got a great
1: call. Um,
0: oh, bring him in to move to move them? Or yeah, something? to move them. Yeah.
1: And the poor, the poor, the poor cattle thought we were moving them to some fresh grass. They were a little disappointed in us after a while, but. Um, yeah. Had a wonderful visit. Missed Dave, unfortunately. It was a week that he wasn't around, but um, really enjoyed our visit, and, um, and I've enjoyed the beef. Yeah. <laughs> Miss
0: you missed our farm because I was, Carol and I were not around either, so we didn't yeah. get to participate either, so. But
1: you were, um, you spoke on one of our farm tours that we hosted today.
0: Yes, I, I was there today, yep, and then I think I'm going to do something Saturday, I'm not sure, but. Uh, yes
1: you're going to be on the farmyard stage.
0: Yeah. So that'd be awesome. It'd be great. Um, I, I did not bring my glasses tonight. Brad jar. I, I, I can't believe I got to wear glasses. Now I'm getting to that age. I've heard, of, I've heard of farm aid for years and never realized it was impactful to the farm community. Thanks for this information. Yeah. See that that's like me. I mean, shame on me for not doing my due diligence and, and researching, but, uh, you know, tell us more. Tell, what what else don't we know?
1: Well, you know, I don't. I don't think it's shame. Um, I think I know. I wasn't around in the '80s when Farm Aid started, but I know there was a, a feeling of, well, okay, what are these artists going to do about this? You know, and I think that's, yeah. that's a, a healthy dose of skepticism. Um, and so, you know, that's real. Um, I think it it takes. Um, getting to know the organization a little bit, um, having the personal connection. Um, You know, I've been with the organization for 21 years, as I mentioned, my two bosses, Glenda Yoder and Carolyn Mugar. um, Carolyn's been there since the beginning. She was um, chosen by Willie and Willie said, will you help me distribute this money? Um, She was a union organizer at the time. She had been traveling all over the country. She knew what was going on. She had good connections to be able to figure out what's going on in the ground that we want to put put farm aid's money towards. Um, and she, you know, she didn't know she was signing up for a career doing this work. Um, and um the passion and um care that people have um in this organization is is really um authentic and and true. Yeah. And I think I think it does take yeah. getting up close and personal to really understand the impact of FarmAid. Um, and you know it really it it's the artists and people know us for the artists um but really it's the grassroots i mean i could rattle off a bunch of people who are here right now who have traveled from across the country to be here they come every year um i i met um some the folks from Missouri that I mentioned who called in the 90s and said hey we're we're seeing a lot of we got premium standard farms down here now and the price of our pork is two cents. Yeah. Um, and and they come every year. They drive the They had a truck that pulled in today, Um, you'll be able to get their pork here, Uh, they do brats and they do an incredible pork pork uh, chop sandwich and. um, You know there's just a real community and it's farmers farmer to farmer and like you know Rick you know these these connections you're making um, people. Who marched on Washington? Who drove their tractors from Texas to, to D.C. in nineteen seventy nine? And as part of the Tractorcade, they come every year. Um, yeah. There's just um, a wealth of incredible history and passion and um, knowledge.
0: But yeah, I'm gonna tell you. I mean, your your audience is they're educated because I I spoke today at uh, what well, Indiana Heritage Farm, I believe. And, uh, the audience, I mean, they, they were nonstop questions and they, they were great questions. So very eager to learn about what's going on. And, and it, it was great. We had great, uh, I actually, they had to cut me off, uh, had to cut me off cause I had to get on the bus and get back to get back to your place. So it was, it was great.
1: Cool. Yeah. Um, Ed asks a question here about resources. Um, if folks want to learn more about good farming. Yeah, um, yeah there are. Um, off the top of my head, our, our hotline team would be better at knowing exactly where we what we've got there. But um yeah, that's that's a real um great question and a, a question that we get from callers a lot. Um and it's the underlying mission of our hotline, I th- I would say, you know, a lot of folks call. So as an example, we do, we've done a lot of work with um, contract growers, poultry contract growers who are stuck in a system, um, who are saddled with debt for these poultry houses that they were required to pay for and put up. And then they're in this contract, which doesn't pay them a living wage. And then the contract gets pulled from, you know, underneath them. And they're screwed. (laughs) Pardon my language, but. um, (laughs) And. um, It's a it's a real challenge to. I think balance the response to a a caller who is in that kind of position um, to provide the resources they need immediately to, um, to give them some reassurance and um, which sometimes is not possible. Right. In, in, in many of these contract grower cases, many of them go into bankruptcy or they lose their land because these contracts are so unfair and so not transparent. um, And Um, these contract companies have really, they're in cahoots and they have the regions they work in. And so if they pull a contract from one producer, then there's no other company that producer can go to, to get a new contract. Um, And so there's that balance of, well, how do we suggest a better way? You know, how, how do you talk to a producer about, yeah, it's a realization of, I'm on this chemical treadmill, or I'm I'm stuck in this contract system. How how do I make that next step to get to, um, what Ed calls good farming? You know, yeah. Um, yeah. But certainly, Ed, we Ed's do.
0: A long time listener, Jen. He's on every night. Of we had these podcast. Ed, how you doing? So Ed has great questions too, and this is a good one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but we do get fa- calls from, um, you know, people who aren't farming yet, who want to get into it, who, um, or, you know, the next generation of the farm who's thinking about, well, how do I, how do I transition this family farm into what my vision for it is? Um, yeah. So we do have those resources and. Um,
0: I can you know, only imagine the phone calls. I mean, it's got to be from anything to everything, you know?
1: It definitely is. Yes. And-
0: And I'm sure there's those almost, you know, those tear, those tearjerker moments where you're they've just lost everything, probably. And now you've got to try to stabilize them. And and, I mean, I can't imagine what you'd get the phone calls.
1: Yeah, some of them are very difficult. Um, And sometimes, you know, the the case is too far past a point of um, being able to salvage. Yeah. something um but our our goal is to really and and with the additional resources through the farm and ranch stress assistance network we are working on being more proactive getting the word out call us um we're here you don't have to be in crisis you know um call call early reach out early and i think in general the agricultural community has really shifted to that too you know i think in the 80s um during the farm crisis a lot of the the Old timers for lack of a better word, the advocates who really learned the federal code, helped, you know, keep their farm, helped other farmers keep their farm by by showing them what they knew about how to fight for the for the land um, and the farm. Um the um those advocates are still out there and they're still doing that work. And it's it's um it's just by having conversations and and reaching out. And I think the agricultural community has gotten better about doing that, reaching out, you know, and and doing the understanding of this isn't just me in the 80s. That line was um, the line the bank managers used was, well, they're just a bad manager, you know, and there was this real culture of putting it on the farmers. Like, well, you're just you're just not good at this. We're going to take the farm. Um, And farmers, when they were able to talk to each other and learn hey we can't all be bad managers right like this right. is this is there's a great book um actually i just wrote a book review on the farming website about it it's called the farmer's lawyer um and it's about a north dakota um woman who led a class action suit to um fight back against the farm foreclosures in the 1980s that were orchestrated by the reagan administration and um and she talks about this, you know, all these farmers just thought, well, this is just me and I've done a bad job. And, um, when farmers came together, they realized that's, that's not the case. And so, you know, I think there's been, it's the same thing around farm stress. There was this idea that like, well, we don't talk about that. And, um, we, you know, farmers are stoic and they care about their crops and their animals first before they care about their own health. And there's been a real culture change around that. And, a recognition of, um, you know, farm stress is real and there are resources and, and we can reach out and talk to each other and share our experiences. Um, on our, on our farmyard stage in the Homegrown Village in 2019, we had um, Brenda Stats. Um, her husband Leon took his life. He was a dairy farmer and he took his life and she brought her whole family to Farm Aid and, and talked about the experience um, and they created um a peer group for farmers in in wisconsin to make sure that didn't happen again um yeah so there are those calls and there are those mm. um challenges but um i think the culture is shifting and there's there's a lot of good things happening yeah I
0: totally, I totally agree and again this has been such a great conversation i'm i'm glad we're having this um Brad has got an excellent question for you there. Uh, Any way we can get some healthy food back into our schools?
1: Yeah, great question. Um, Many years ago, it's funny how... (laughs) The artists are are deeply involved in these things. Neil Young contacted us, called us. He he calls frequently as a member of our board. Um, and his daughter was at Kenyon College in Ohio. And he said, you know, she's she's eating bad food and this is ridiculous. She wants to change the cafeteria. Um, and uh-huh. and she did, you know, and there's been incredible work done in college on college campuses to um to get edible and local and regenerative yeah. and sustainable, um, good food in, in school systems. I think we still have a long way to go, but I think we are seeing a lot of progress there. Um, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, I think in the in the federal government, it goes back and forth a, a bit about whether we're making progress or whether we're not. Um, on, on increasing the quality of school lunches. But I know at the state level, you know, since COVID, a lot of states have really invested in um, their public school systems, both in increasing the amount of um, preschool lunches and breakfasts and after school food now, because we know a lot of kids don't have food when they go home. Um, But also, you know, doing that local, you know, how do we, how do we get local farmers to to get into the system and benefit from it and, and bring good food to the kids
0: yeah i you know there's a there's a movie coming out that that there's a sequel to kiss the ground that's called mm-hmm. common ground and it, it addresses some of this what we're talking about right now but you know there's a lot of yards that are heavily uh watered and fertilized that we could be growing vegetables in, you know, and those vegetables. I mean, I'm just thinking first thing that comes into my head. I'm, I'm a Purdue grad and I'm thinking about, you know, Purdue, you got all those spaces that you could be growing something that could be feeding into those uh, the dorms and, and the food supply that the dorm is feeding those freshman kids that are coming in. I don't know. Yeah. I, I know that's, I know what we're saying sounds really easy and it's not. I know it's very difficult, but it can be done. It, it can. The yeah. right people behind it, it can be done.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, UMass, uh, I'm from Massachusetts and UMass was one of the first colleges to do that. Um, they set a goal of 20% local food purchasing um, and they're a, a land grant university um, and they have a, they have a great program. They were, they've been one of the, um, innovators on integrated pest management for orchard. Um, and, um, they have blown that 20% goal out of the water. Um, and of course the program has been going on for maybe a decade now, but, um, I think they're doing about 40% of their food from, um, local, you know, central and Western Massachusetts, Vermont, New Hampshire, um, New York farms. And yeah, there's no reason we can't. It's that mindset. You know, I think it's convenient like everything in our world. It's convenience over doing what's really going to benefit ourselves, our communities, our planet.
0: And, and, you know, Ed's got a question here, a comment and a question, but Ed, you, I was thinking the same thing, but a little bit different way of what you just to put there, but we're gonna read what you've got there. Go ahead, Jennifer, can you see it? You can see better than I can. Go ahead and read what
1: it is. So Ed is um, thinking when he asked the question about resources for folks wanting to learn about good food, he was thinking more about not farmers, which is how I answered the question, but about the public um, and the concert goers. And um, yeah, I agree Ed, that most people don't know what people like Rick are doing, which is why we do this concert, why we shine a spotlight on farmers. Um, like Rick and like, um, Joseph and, um, Fisher farms and, and others who will be spotlighted, yeah. Um, and, um, we, the films that we do now, you know, that goes into our TV show. So we have a TV broadcast, we have the webcast, people will see it around the world, um, And they're short little videos, but I I think video has such an incredible power to convey the impact Um, and it it impacts people. The first time we did, um, we've done this press event for years and we've invited farmers to come and speak on stage. And we've said, "Okay, now tell your story in four minutes while you're sitting next to Willie Nelson in front of a giant audience. Wasn't a great way to do it. But when we started to do the films that really condensed the farmer's story and then use that as a jumping off point for a conversation, um, it, people get it. We bring them onto the farm, we bring them into the farmer's life. The first right. one we did was in 2014 in North Carolina. And one of the stories was about two former contract poultry growers. Um, And we filmed in one of their barns, um, which was now being used to house her goat herd. Um, (laughs) Ah. And um, they talked about the system they were stuck in and how, um, you know, how they entered into poultry growing thinking, well, this is going to what it's going to be what's going to put my kids through college. And, um, you know, we can continue to keep the land and I can continue to grow my crops, but we're also going to have these chicken houses. And then they found themselves, you know, out of a contract and on the brink of losing the family land. And um, people came up to me. I, I was part of the press event. I was on stage moderating and I was going home the next day and I'm in the airport and people were coming up to me with tears in their eyes. And they said I had no idea that when I was eating chicken, I was supporting that kind of abuse. Um. And not, you know, people talk, people, a lot of people talk about animal abuse in these facilities. They had no idea the abuse that farmers experience, right? Yeah. And um, it was, it, it was incredible. They, you know, people came up to me in the airport and they said, I'm I'm not going to eat chicken like I do anymore. I'm going to figure out a local farm. I'm going to change the way I do this and make sure that I'm not supporting that system. Um, so that is our goal. Yep. And um, oh, now I'm seeing Ed has permaculture garden. Yes. Oh,
0: oh. Ed, that's Ed's town, hometown.
1: Oh, all right. We're we're neighbors practically. Um, yeah, UMass is a great great university. Um, But that's that's what farming is all about. How do we, you know, like let's bring people in the door who want to see the music and let's actually give them this experience of agriculture and get them to think about it more and to get them to be more conscientious and conscious of what they're eating and and what they're supporting.
0: Yeah, somehow Saturday uh, and that's when the concert is Saturday, the 23rd. Um, Jennifer, you need to make sure that that. I don't know who does this, but what we've just been talking about here for about an hour, you need to somehow you need to do that. Get up on in between acts. You need to, you know, tell the audience, tell the crowd, look, this I mean, this is we this, I've learned so much here about this. This is incredible. So <laughs> somehow figure out somebody to get up on stage and, you know, for five minutes. Yeah, say something and then do it the next for another five minutes in between the next two artists and 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 by the end of the evening the the audience will be educated about everything you and i've just talked about
1: yeah 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 another thing we do even during the music we have photographs on the video screen behind the artists so you're gonna they're gonna be immersed in farm scenes and seeing farmer faces um throughout the entire day
0: yeah well, I just, Oh my gosh, I believe I I'm going to, I'll have, I'll be following farm Aid. I mean, dude, you guys are doing great things. So <laughs> shame on me for not doing my homework here.
1: Nah, not, not shame, but we're glad, we're glad to know you and we're glad to Yeah. Now. That's crucial. And um, I don't know. I have all kinds of ideas hanging in my head when you said, you know, tell your hotline. I want to, I want to be able to talk to farmers. Yes. Um, That's that's exactly. Those are the offers we want. You know, we're we're trying to recruit more people, um, both in terms of like people who can help farm. You know, help farmers fill out a loan application, help them create a business plan, help them fill out the NRCS grant application. You know. Um,
0: Yeah, or succession planning for the farm. You know, I mean, that's huge. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's great. Well, what what have we missed? What uh, anything we've missed here?
1: I think we've covered a lot. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say we missed anything.
0: Well, we we I want to be uh, respectful of your time. I know you you had an, an event. It's probably already started. Um, so um, I you know hang on, hang with me just a second, Jennifer. Um yeah. Folks, do I do it? Do you want me to uh, stay on for a little bit and do some Q&A, which was what was advertised? I mean, Jennifer's going to have to get going here and you can stay if you want, Jennifer. But uh, if we have any last second questions for Jennifer, now's the time. And the next thing is, do you want me to stay on? I see nobody saying anything. So I think we're about done. I think we're going to be done. So, Jennifer, I'm going to say thank you. Uh, This has been fabulous i i can't wait uh, to get get there on saturday um our family's coming and we're going to be uh we'll be well you'll be warren county will be well represented and we're clear across on the the uh, illinois side of the state and um give us a couple closing comments if you would
1: um, well, I wish I could see all your faces, um, but I'm looking at the names in the participant group, and um, I'm grateful you're all here. And um, thanks for the well wishes. Um, and keep. Uh, oh, I'm Jennifer at Farmaid.org. I'll throw that in the chat. Um, would love to connect. Um, I my work is communications. Um, so if you have a story to share, I want to hear it. Um, with we do a, a um, farmer hero story on our website, um, mm-hmm. we do our videos. Um, and, um, we have lots of ideas. So, um, anyway, what else? Um, that's it. I just want to thank you all for your time and the work that you do. And, and I wish you, um, we're all going to be there on Saturday, but Rick, I really look forward to seeing you and, um, and learning yeah. about your work.
0: It's gonna be great. I can't I can't wait to meet everybody. Um, it's gonna be fun. So Jennifer, thank you. I've got a couple questions I'm gonna answer here. Um yeah. so if you wanna you could you can stay, you can do whatever you want, but thank you for coming on. It was such I mean I called Glenda this afternoon at um I don't know, three o'clock, three thirty, and I said, Hey, I just had an idea. Our podcast is tonight. And Glenda's like, I know who to have, I know who to call. So let me let me call. <laughs> So Jennifer, thank you so much for being on. Thank
1: you. Yeah. And um, I'd love to hear about your rye nutrient sampling. I have grown some ryegrass myself in my little community garden in Boston. (laughs) Nothing on your scale. Um, But I'm going to go, I actually am going to go check out, going to sit down with our lighting designer and go through some of the imagery that'll be on stage showcasing Indiana farmers on Saturday.
0: You've got this this event, something going on Saturday. We'll we'll let you get back to it. Jennifer, thank you so So much.
1: Thank you. It was great to hear from you all. And thanks, Rick. I really appreciate the opportunity and look forward to today with you.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, I'm going to hang here for just a couple more minutes. Uh, the rice sampling this year. We, the rice sampling did not go well this year. Um, we uh, we had a terrible growing season, and it quite honestly did not happen this year. This is going to be the first year in a while that Rachel hasn't done it. And quite honestly, Rachel doesn't have much time to do it anymore. So if we're going to continue this, um, we need to probably get somebody else or more people in here doing it. Uh, Ludmila, yeah, you want Ludmila wants to talk about the land, the land race breeding. I, I love this concept. Um, what we're doing, what Ludmila is referring to here is um, we are getting deep into epigenetics. That's EPI genetics. And basically, in a nutshell, it is without altering the DNA sequence, a an organism adapts to its environment and the only way you can do that is to stay pure stay non-gmo or organic and continue to plant seeds from each harvest into the next growing season so in other words you're not introducing any more outside genetics now you got to remember though we got to do this legally so in our soybeans we went back uh, tw- I think it was 25 or 30 years. I don't really, I don't remember exactly the specific year those genetics were out. But um, one of them was one that I grew up with. I, it was a bean that was, it was probably on 40 or 50 percent of the Midwest acres. Asgrow 3127s. That's a three-one maturity soybean. I could not believe Asgrow let the genetics, ex- uh, uh, the patent expire, but they did. So we purchased, that bean, along with nine other varieties, we hand, you get 50 seeds. It's, I don't know, I think it's maybe $100 per variety. So you get 50 seeds for 100 bucks, and, you know, a $1,000 investment to hand plant. And then you, then you see how they grow, you see what they look like, and then you hand harvest Then you got to do it by hand the second time. And then by the third time, you've got enough seed uh, pounds or bushels that you can now mechanically do this. And what we did this year, Ludmila, you're going to like this one. Now, I don't know how it's going to work because we had a terrible, terrible growing season. But Ludmila, this is what we did this year. We took every soybean that they had to offer in a, a three maturity, so a 3.0 to a 3-9. And we mixed every one of them together. And then we went out and planted that. So we I didn't even we didn't even start like we did last time. Last time we kept each one separate all the way up until harvest. And then I harvested them all together and created a land race. We created the land race right off the bat. We just dumped it all together and went out and drilled. Now, I don't know, I, I, I was in the beans uh, two or three days ago. The weeds have gotten pretty bad. Uh, there are some beans in there. I hope we have enough to combine to get, I hope we can get 15 or 20 bushel, I hope, uh, out of this plot that we did. And uh, then we'll, we'll plant that again next spring. But I really like, um, I really like where we're headed with this, and again, I cannot stress enough, it has to be done legally. So you've got to only re you can only be reusing seeds that are legally to reuse. You know, right now we can use the pseudo grains. Right now, there's not a patent on on what we're using now, so that'll probably change, but we've got a maslin that, that we've created. So a maslin is a combination. Of typically it's wheat, rye, and barley, but you can add triticale to it if you wanted. Um, And that maslin then is we'll be into year four, maybe three or four this fall with that maslin. And what I there's there's many things I like about it. The one of the main things I like about it is we're saving so much money by not buying the seed. And the other thing, Ludmila, that I really like is we are growing the maslin with like like a soybean or a pea. So we're trying to trying to get the synergies working together. We're, right, we're trying to get diversity in as many places as we can. And I really like commingling cash crops. Um and, and folks, I'm just, I'll, I'll, tell you next week, a week from tonight, Lude Myla is going to be on with her, with her group of bioferts. And these people are, are out of bounds. I mean, if you want to be, uh, get around people that are thinking out of the box, you better tune in next week. Uh, this is going to be fun. And, um, Lute Myla knows where I stand on biology. I think there's a need for it. Um, I think especially if you are beginning your transition out of mass destruction to the soil profile, which is absolutely killing all the biology, as you're transitioning out of that into a more regenerative method, you need biology there helping working with you. I think and I'm gonna we're gonna get into this this next week Ben and I don't want to get into it tonight so much, but I think, what we need is more of a stimulant or a hormone to help energize the biology that we have been growing for multiple years now, because I've tried, I've tried some products. I haven't tried all of them, but I've tried some products and I'll be honest with you. I don't see much, much change. And I think it's because we've already got a lot of biology already working in place because we've taken everything away. So I wanna know, how do, we, how do we turn on what we have? And I hope we go deep into that next week. It's gonna be a blast, it'll be fun. Um, but that's that's the Landrace uh, update. So uh, we'll see what happens. I was very pleased with the beans that I saw up in the field, Ludmila. I mean, the, gosh, I, I pulled a plant out of the ground and, and I don't know, it had 50 pods on it maybe. And it was branching and it was doing everything you wanted it to do. And, and a lot of the pods were two to three bean pods. So I, I truly believe that, and, and I don't think the I don't think the breeders are doing this on purpose, but I truly believe that the the current genetics are losing their associations with the mycorrhizal fungi and all of the microbial uh network. I, I truly believe that. So um, I've seen it firsthand on this farm. I think uh, when you talk to a lot of people that are, are, are breeding livestock, they are not introducing outside genetics to their livestock herbs. They're finding their sires from within the herd. We're doing the same thing. So we're doing epigenetics on, on the grains that we raise, the, the soybeans, we're, we've started on open pollinator corn because that's legally to, to been run that. It's not a hybrid. It's a variety. We're doing it on our cereal grains. We're doing it in, in our cattle, in our sheep. So all of these things are, are what I think is the future of, of regenerative farming. Um, we've got to learn how to do more with less is what I think. And that's what we're trying to do. I've seen the screen go crazy. Here's a, uh, I got. I've got to remember to get my glasses next time. How do you market the wheat, rye, barley mix? Good question. Um, we are very fortunate. We have a a organic dairy that will add that into their ration, and they don't care if if this maslin comes as the maslin or if it comes as just wheat by itself. They don't care. So I'm very lucky so if you can find a, a a uh a person that's feeding out livestock either a dairy or a feed yard they would probably put some wheat slash rye into their ration um just go talk to them and, and ask them uh, other than that that's what we we replant on the farm for our our cover crop this fall but but um but Riley, you're not going to sell that wheat into a, or you're not going to sell that Maslin into a wheat market. You're going to get every load rejected. So you've got to be careful on how you do these things. And you've got to find your market. Great question. But but Riley, what I try, my, I'll tell you where my brain was on this. I'm always thinking about diversity. And I know this is a little bit of a stretch of the imagination, but Each one of these species does put out different exudates. So it is truly diversity. So I'm thinking, why are we just planting cereal rye? Why aren't we planting rye, barley, triticale, and wheat all together to get diversity within that cereal grain? And that's the reason why I decided to do that. And I'm telling you, you know, you've always got to look for validations of what you're doing is correct. We had a training event here about six weeks ago, and the people that came were just bonkers about the farm. They could not believe the soil. They couldn't believe what we were doing. And almost every single one of these people took samples of our field home with them. They took their spade out and dug up some of the field and put it in a bag. And and I don't know how they got it on the airplane, but they went home with it. Well, I get a call uh, from one of these people that was here and they said, I wanna tell you something. We did a water infiltration test on a local farm and it supposedly had been no tilled and cover cropped and blah, blah, blah. And they said it failed miserably. And they did this this test twice. And this was in front of a group of farmers. And the test failed miserably. And the person said, I'll tell you what, I've got some soil here from Indiana. We're going to get rid of this. We're going to use Rick's soil and we're going to do the same test. And boom, the water went right through it. And I think they put 20 or 25 inches of rainwater and it went right through and never, never had any water standing. Those are the types of stories that I smile inside from ear to ear because that just tells me that what we're doing is right. So that's, I love those stories. I love those kind of stories. Um, Looking forward to next week. Yep, it's gonna be great. Uh, Often a single situation is enough to uh, uh, lose AMF, yeah, association of plants. Yeah, that's right. That's right, Lydmila, yeah. Um, Okay, Riley, okay, thanks. Guys, it's been great. Uh, this was kind of a hodgepodge mix up here today, but that's fine. That's how we like to roll. You don't want to have anything set in concrete. that's that's too boring. You want you gotta have you got to have change in your life. So everyone, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to next week. I don't know where I'll be. I might be in a, a combine. I might be in a tractor. I might be here. I don't know, doesn't matter. We're gonna have a great lineup. Rachel's going to start advertising probably Monday for this event. So um, it's going to be great. Luke Milo's got something else here. Same with an animal feed mix of of short season uh, millet, flax, buckwheat, and drilled in the oats also. Yeah, exactly. You've got to have as much diversity as you possibly can. And um, it's going to be great. So everyone, thank you so much. Uh, Be safe. And we will see you next week. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.